This week on Halftone Takes, we get into the weeds on taxonomy. Adam learns that Yoshi's Cookie is a real game. And you get to hear the creative birth of Shrimp World, our new IP. No, it's not Shrimp World. It would be uh, uh, Shrimp like high high five shrimp punchy. <laughs> One punch shrimp. Uh, krill issue. <laughs> krill issue. <laughs> it's done. It's canon. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Halftone Takes, high-contrast conversations where we zoom out to see the bigger picture. I am your host, Adam Bucheri, just a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. And with me, as (laughs) always, is my (laughs) co-host. I am the co-host, Corey Revis, a.k.a. the Stinky One. And (laughs) so don't stand too close to me. Don't stand too close to me. I like to think that we're both uh, a pair of action figures and I'm just like, you know, uh, uh, a regular doll. And you're like that one fucking He-Man doll, which is like grass scented. (laughs) (laughs) Now hold on there, Skeletor. Like you're a you're a you're a scratch and sniff sticker of a of a little, <laughs> of a little guy. Scratch me, scratch me. Ah, stop it! I'll like it. <laughs> All I can think about is the no in like Toy Story two when Buzz is stuck in the in the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. The, the endless aisle of other Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. yeah, very good. So, what are we talking about today? Yeah, today, today I am uh, uh, tentatively titling this episode Concept versus Execution. But what this really is, is this is me, uh, uh, you know, interrogating you <laughs> and your thought process and your vocabulary. Because I I love words. I love talking about stuff. Uh, but mm-hmm. like a quote that really stands out to me. I don't know who to attribute it to. Uh, but basically the idea being that like 90% of disagreements are actually arguments over how the definitions said. of words. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm I've talking about this things. and we're, we're saying the same thing with the same words, but we're meaning two different things. And therefore we're talking past each other. And now how can you have a conversation like that? Mm-hmm. So uh, as a result, uh Editing past podcasts and also just like, uh, uh, you know, uh, an eternity of friendship with you. (laughs) One of the words that you are always using to describe media and like as a value for you Mm -hmm. is unique. You love talking about uniqueness. You love talking about like, oh, you know, this thing really unique. This stands out like it it, it is a self-evident good uh, in the way that you talk about it. And so, like, that's part of what I want to talk talk about is, like, how do you define unique in terms of media? And then uh, we'll, we'll kind of drill down into concept versus execution as a, uh, a broad yes. umbrella of how to apply that idea. Yes. And uh, I understand the assignment, and I am thinking about it currently right now. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Because this is one of those times when I'm probably going to have to be like, okay, 
think about what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I will often, <laughs> when I'm in a situation like this, I'll just start saying something and be like halfway through an argument, be like, I don't know if I believe what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I, I do that all the time. You should know this. I tell you this. I know. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why did I just say that? That's not what I meant. What I mean is. <laughs> so a turn of phrase that like uh, I think about a lot is uh, I didn't have time to write you a short letter. So I wrote you a long one instead. Because brevity and conciseness and, uh, you know, being able to clearly and eloquently and precisely uh, say what you mean is actually hard. And Mm -hmm. it's much easier to just, like, spend a lot of words slouching towards a point. And so, like, yeah, part Mm -hmm. of this episode might be us figuring out how we feel in a in a kind of sloppy way. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm constantly working on that myself, like obviously off mic and stuff, too, because I realized over the years that I haven't uh, I, I, I like reading. <laughs> I like I used to be a super avid reader and then I started to work a lot. So I started to listen to a lot of audiobooks, mm-hmm. and I love listening to audiobooks. And if Hell the book yeah. is good enough, I buy the book and then listen as I'm reading. I don't know why I do that, but I like doing that. Uh, But I haven't really sat down and just read in a while. And that's probably why my mind tends to wander a lot. And not in like the worst way of like when I'm driving and I'm like, oh, look, a a squirrel. And I just start drifting off into the (laughs) other lane. It's more of... I start Tokyo drifting into the other lane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Grab the e-brake, crank it hard. (laughs) I need you to grab that e-brake. What? <laughs> you know what? You're going to be fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, like when I usually read or something like that, I usually like my mind goes into cinematic mode and then I just start thinking about this one thing. Mm-hmm. I could have been on three more. I could have done three more pages, but instead I stayed on this one thing where I'm like, OK, how would they <laughs> say that? How where are they standing? How are they standing? What? Sure, sure. What do these people even look like type thing? So um, I haven't really had a chance to do that. And usually that makes me slow down and start thinking more. I noticed that about myself. Like I slow down and start thinking. OK. How, how, like, if I was writing this, how would I describe it? And then basically I would say that out loud. And that helps me be a little bit more articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a long winded version of that. But anyway, going back to, <laughs> going back to uh, your first question, what is your first question again? Just in case you didn't say it, because uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. When you talk about media, something that I hear a lot is you talk about media being unique or the value of uniqueness. And so I uh, just wanted to ask to to you, in your own words, like, what do you mean by that? Um, like media being unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. First things first. Uh how I'm going to describe this is a personal preference for me, but unique to me is different 
usually different in kind of the the popular culture of what might be in that particular genre or what's going on in the world like of you know media mm-hmm. so usually when somebody subverts my expectations and like i said this is kind of more personal to me when they subvert my expectations that's when i'm like ooh that's unique mm-hmm. um because a lot of things i feel in today's media is very predictable um storylines are just like oh i know where this is going and now mind you that depending on what it is it might not take away from the fun of it mm-hmm. whether it be a game or something you're watching or a tv show or a movie or something like that but still i'm like the stuff that sticks with me um and you know first impressions are everything because after a while obviously you you like something you watch it enough you're like oh this is no longer unique anymore however first impressions for me are a lot they they count a lot mm-hmm. um so usually when uh i say oh that's really unique it has some element that has surprised me okay and surprised me slash intrigues me to keep going keep playing keep watching what have you. So that's what I usually say when, I mean, that's what I usually mean when I say unique. Um, obviously there's some my little microcosms of other reasons, but that is the biggest main reason. So to, to you is unique, um, always tied to kind of the, the, the current moment in pop culture. Um, not always. And the reason why I say that is because I may not be looking at something or experiencing something that is directly tied to the current pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I just have a preconceived notion of what's going on in, with what I'm engaging with, but it subverts my expectations just enough that it makes me intrigues. I mean, excuse me, intrigued to keep going, to Mm. keep engaging with it, Um, because my apathy tends to crank hard when I am uninterested. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, all right, I know where this is going. Okay, whatever. Um, Now, maybe that's not exactly a good thing to, you know, I, I try not to do that a lot. That is my initial reaction, because. Obviously, if you don't engage with the entire thing, then how can you have an opinion of the entire thing? Um, you can you can have a knee jerk reaction mm-hmm. um, or just a initial impressions reaction. We all do. Um, but I don't know how many times that I was told, well, just just wait a little bit. Just let it warm sure, up. Sure. Um, I mean, if we talk about something that is like between us that we both like that we've talked about before is Steven Universe. If I would have mm-hmm, quit in the mm-hmm. second episode, wouldn't yeah, you oh, wouldn't sure, have got sure. to the good stuff. Um, so and I'm not saying all media is like that, but I'm saying a lot of media that I tend to engage with is like that. And right. you know, I, I like slow burn stuff, so that's even more of like i i don't want to say it's a problem mm-hmm. but it's definitely a a thing 
a thing. Cool. Good, good, good start. Uh, I like hearing some of this. Um, you're bringing up a couple of different axes where like um, predictability of media yeah. uh, seems to be part of it, which is interesting to me. And I have maybe controversial uh, opinions on that. But to, to start with, I came into this with like two examples that I thought were like pretty uh, uh, interesting lenses to look at this. Mm-hmm. So. Through this lens of, like, uniqueness, the first example that I have is John Carter of Mars, which is to say, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, John Carpenter of Mars was written in the 1910s. John Carter of Mars. (laughs) John John Carpenter of Mars. John Carpenter. Drop some fucking sick beats. Like... Uh, John Carter of Mars. Carter. John yeah. Carter. The Carter. Uh, John Carter of Mars is uh, written initially in the 1910s, and it is the progenitor of modern science fiction stories. It's basically portal fantasy where a normal guy from Earth gets magically transported to Mars, where he finds out that not only is there like an alien civilization, but like being on Mars gives him superpowers and makes him special. And then he gets involved in this whole conflict and it's like this whole thing. And that's called an isekai. It's very (laughs) an anime in anime terms. Uh, But when they made, they made a, uh, a film adaptation of it, 2012. uh, And it's, pretty nothing it's kind of trash it's It's kind of trash uh and so like the question of it is you know through your lens of unique this is the progenitor this is the start of it but Mm -hmm. at this point all of its uh uh, major story beats all of its structure all the stuff that made it special and unique has been done again and again and again since then yes so it's not a matter of you know was it unique at the time? It's no longer unique now. Mm-hmm. And as a result, like, how does that, What what's your knee jerk reaction to a piece of media like that? Like, what's the, the vibe? Does it feel like, uh, who cares? Or is it interesting in its original context? Okay. This is actually a good question. Um, cause I, I, I haven't, well, <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I haven't thought about that movie in, like, years. <laughs> yeah, why would you? Yeah. Uh, bro, I mean, imagine well, doing a double feature of John Car- Carter of Mars and Mars Needs Moms, like, back to back. Oh, man. That'd be man. so brutal. <laughs> oh, I have, I have words about Mars Needs Moms, too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good. No, here's the thing. It's good that we're talking about Disney, the Walt Disney Company doing these live action things because this is because this is kind of the problem that I have, like the uniqueness issue that Mm. kind of is a double standard when it comes to them doing stuff. Now, John Carter of Mars, I remember seeing that trailer knowing the property because, yeah, I've Mm. seen it at conventions and um, I know it's like a very old you know, property and stuff like that. That has tons of, uh, what you call it books. Um, I forget the artist that did a lot of the, the covers for it, but 
Yeah, I, I, I've seen that around and I was like, ooh, this should be interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously I'm captivated by trailers because I like how trailers look and I just like the idea of trailers. Um, I like being excited or intrigued by things like that. Um, mm-hmm. The older I have gotten now, I remember back then I was like, yeah, OK. But the older I get, the more I'm intrigued slash cautious um which is healthy i think that's good i think just fanning out for like a a teaser or something or something like that sure sure that you're setting yourself up for just getting (laughs) shot in the foot um and i think that's kind of common knowledge now but shout out to everyone who's looking forward to metroid prime 4 rip (laughs) shout out to everybody who's looking forward to uh half-life uh part like episode three so hey man, those people got half-life alex that's that's pretty fucking good yeah but people don't want that they want episode three <laughs> where <laughs> yeah exactly gabe where are you <laughs> but uh yeah but um so i had back then i remember having a, a little bit less of a healthy off the healthy optimism. I was just like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Right. Especially right, how right. they put it together, which I don't think you can find that cut of the trailer anymore on the internet. I don't know what happened, but it's just gone. Um, because I remember seeing that trailer in a certain way, and then they updated it. Mm. because Disney, uh, I don't know what was going on during that time, but they updated it to where it no longer has that old uh you know the old trailer it's it's kind of the same situation with like remember the spider-man the old spider-man trailer that had the twin towers and then nobody could oh, find it sure. for a while and then somebody just happened to find it and upload it in all of its 480p glory on uh youtube like years <laughs> ago so i think it's the same kind of situation it's just nobody cares enough about that right, movie right. so nobody's willing to find it so I was excited, went to go see it, and then was disappointed because I was like, oh, Disney, you had it. And that was the trick is I thought it was pretty unique. I'm like, oh, this is an interesting take because, yes, it is true that there is like everything's been done. Duh. Mm-hmm. However, how do certain people handle it? Yeah, that's because certain people regardless of what they try to do to be completely like I can I, I have a, a vision for everything and stuff I'm like eventually your handprint starts to be um, familiar on all like all of your projects mm-hmm. uh Christopher Nolan does it um you know sure. all, like all these you know directors I mean, if, do it if, every if, director if you, does this yeah if you start following a director you'll often find patterns unless they're like a real jobber you know if they're just someone who's just like i'm gonna direct the tooth fairy starring dwayne johnson maybe that'll be a little bit more anonymous i don't know i mean actually to be fair no no even that stuff god damn it (laughs) even that stuff you can kind of tell you can kind of tell but um but i mean hey at the same time i've seen a lot of those types of smaller I've seen the pacifier and I'm like, ah, even I kind of enjoyed that, uh, to a certain point and stuff like Mm. that. But you can kind of tell with, with a lot of these creatives, 
and everything. Everybody has kind of a call sign after a while. So Disney tends to kind of have a call sign. Uh, Mm -hmm. The corporation, um, how they want things to because studios, even what they like to put in, stick into movies. Yeah. Now, when I saw John Carter, I had because that that makes me think of a more, I guess, recent um, situation that this happened with, uh, which is um, what you call it, Artemis Fowl. Um, and oh, I was, no. yes, um, that's a similar situation that would happen with John Carter. Um, I didn't recognize it back then because, you know, obviously I'm older and wiser, right. but when John Carter came out, I felt, I recognized that I felt the same way just thinking about it right now as I felt, uh, excuse me, as I feel or am felt about Artemis Fowl where it's okay, guys, I understand what you're trying to do, but this is your chance to push it because mm. it looked unique in the trailer. It, I mean, it looked like, okay, you were doing something kind of different, but then you started, then you basically did the same thing. Almost uh, how like the, almost what we expected, almost how uh Marvel is nowadays where everybody expects, everybody kind of knows the formula now. Um, and I was like, okay, um, because it, I'm trying to think of how to say this. It, cause I'm also trying to remember the movie. That movie is very forgettable. Um, the art of his foul movie. Both <laughs> John Carter. Oh. We're, we're still focusing on John Carter cause that was <laughs> in your question, but that's very, that's a very forgettable movie. Mm-hmm. Um, cause really all I remember the most is the beginning of that movie, which is very unique, which I thought was very cool. Not necessarily super unique, but I like the idea of like cowboys and aliens. And yes, that is stupid, but I just love it. I assume but, you're talking about the the separate concepts of cowboys and the concept of aliens and not the the Harrison Ford starring film Cowboys and Aliens. Actually, was Harrison Ford in there? I thought that was Daniel Craig. It's uh, Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford. Yeah, they're both in that movie. They're both in that. Oh man, I just remember seeing that once, and I was like, "What?" Because it—that's it, the thing. It wasn't bad, but it was just what? <laughs> very weird. Very weird. Concept. Yeah, it was very weird. Which is also another unique concept that kind of subverted my expectations because I thought it was going to go one way, but it—it it went another way. But not in a good way to me. It was more of a. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's not enough to just be unexpected. Yeah. Um, so. Excuse me. I thought John Carter was going to be one thing. In a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being something that was just generic Mm-hmm. And maybe that doesn't make it necessarily bad. It just makes it ow. Not what you were looking for. Yeah, not necessarily what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Artemis Fowl nowadays. I know you didn't say this, but I feel the same way because I'm like, Disney, this is your chance. This is your chance to do something mid-range. Do something a little bit more serious and a little bit more dark, as a lot of the people like to say. <laughs> 
and like, but for, but still for relatively kids type thing, type yeah. situation um, or for families, for families, I should say, just like a family situation. Um, that way and make it like a mystery, make your, your character, make a child, the bad guy. Yeah. Thank you. Do that. The, That's the, what I want. The child <laughs> protagonist. Yes. The bad guy. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think Artemis Fowl is actually a really great um, counterpoint to, to talk about because uh, as much as, like, I don't use the word unique uh, in my vocabulary in the same way, like, gotta hand it to the original book. So if you're mm. unfamiliar with Artemis Fowl, the book series, the first three books are pretty great, and then it takes an absolute dump. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I don't think this is as bad, but I do understand bad. the I do understand the the tone definitely kind of shifts a little bit, and it's just like stop at three. <laughs> it I just makes you like you. all but, right. Um, but the uh, book series uh, for those first three, at least, uh, focuses on child uh, like. I don't remember exactly how rich he is, but comes from extreme wealth. Uh, child genius Artemis Fowl who is uh, able through uh, trickery to discover the existence of the fairy world and then exploit them for money. Uh, and he's explicitly the bad guy. He's holding them <laughs> ransom. He's he's kidnapping people. He's doing all kinds of deplorable stuff. It's eventually real that, revealed that he has a sympathetic motive. But like Artemis mm -hmm. Fowl as a character is the villain of the mm -hmm. first book. And then he gets, you know, kind of a redemption arc where in the second book, he kind of breaks even. And then in the third book, he kind of does a face turn. Um, yeah. But it's, it's I, I like the fact that it's more uh, of, he is kind of the anti-hero. Ah, he's um, the villain in the first one. He's straight oh, no, up. No, no, no. Throughout the, I'm, I mean, throughout the series, throughout the yeah, series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's straight up the, the, the antagonist in the first one, which yeah. I like because yeah, it, we, we, it's so much that we see, um, that, it, you know, being a cool anti-hero is like the, the griddled person who, like, it's Frank Castle, you know, yeah. it's Max Payne. Everybody has to be that. And I'm like, OK, that's cool. But one of my favorite bad guys, the, the two of them, actually, um, <laughs> in all of media is Lex Luthor and Vandal Savage. <laughs> I love those guys because they they handle everything. They have it. Like, especially Vandal Savage. He just figured it out. Like, so he has he has stacks on stacks of contingency plans. And he walks around dignified, but he's just an asshole. And I'm like, this is great. I love these types of villains that right. basically dress nice, <laughs> like, always have a suit, has, like, all these kinds of, like, systems working around them. Um, but they're still kind of, the, of hyper competence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and not in the way that they're like super geniuses, but in a way that they're just they have they took like 20 years or something to set up everything behind the scenes for them. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And then they're just like, yeah, I 
you know, you I'm playing a different game than you than, right, right, than right. you type thing. I I love those kinds of like both, you know, heroes and anti-heroes and villains. So mm-hmm. I loved the idea that I was a kid who who was right, doing right. this like, you know, I think, yeah, his fortune is like I think his family owns like a castle in Scotland and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's ridiculous. So he has the means to do all of this and not only do this to people, but do this to like fairies and like the fae like world and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. so you had a you had a, like a um, like almost a like Hellboy element to it, a supernatural, slash, Very much so. you know, and I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. You know who would be great to do this? Who has the budget to do this? Disney. Oh, shit. Oh, sure. <laughs> Why have you done this? Why did you guys just change the entire concept of this? Well, oh, yeah. I know. It's because you can't have a kid be the bad guy. Suck it. I hate you guys for this. <laughs> but then they, but then but now they're doing like the Percy Jackson series and they're actually taking it seriously. So I'm right, like, OK, right. we'll see how this goes. But I got my eye on you. Yeah, the, the, uh, but. The, the thing that I was slouching towards was like, I think that the book is like a really strong premise and a really strong hook where it's just like, you know how the leprechauns have a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Well, what if the leprechauns were actually not only magical creatures, but also like highly technologically advanced and uh, a child super genius decided to blackmail them out of it in, a, in an awesome. elaborate magical <laughs> heist. And it's so like, that is the coolest thing <laughs> it's a pretty great pitch like it's a cool yeah. premise uh especially for like a young adults book yeah you know, if, if i'm i'm recommending this if you're an adult and you go and read it and you're like this is some bullshit for kids yeah Duh. <laughs> uh but like yeah. it's pretty good bullshit for kids like i i'm pretty into it um and then the movie adaptation like really felt like it it almost systematically stripped away everything that I just said and turned yeah, it into it a cool. much more conventional film. Um, yeah. 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 And, and it wasted its resources. Um, mm-hmm. I think Colin Farrell is the dad. He's barely in it. And I'm like, you paid all that money just for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the effects were kind of weird. Uh, the choices of characters was kind of stupid. Um, and the, uh, Trailer was very misleading, and I had a feeling that we we're going to do that. So I was already in a bad mood when I watched the trailer. I was like, you guys paid a lot for the for Radiohead. I have a feeling <laughs> you're compensating for something. Mm-hmm. You're comp- I love that song, and I think it's appropriate. I no and that's why I have questions. Referring to in the, I don't watch trailers. Yeah, what I song? know you don't, but now I'm What's not talking song? to you. Well, I don't know what the song is. <laughs> Tell me what the song is. No, it's... um. Uh, ah, shoot. What is it? What is that song? It starts with the piano. I I went <laughs> blank. I went completely blank. It's, uh, you know, uh, there comes the darkness. There's a spacecraft running out of the star. What is that song? I have no idea. Oh, uh, drop a marker. Uh, <laughs> Drop a marker. Oh, oh, the marker's been dropped, my dude. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. You better believe this is down there. Dex Dark. <laughs> Dex that's Dark by Radiohead. Yes, that's the one. And 
they they you know disney paid for it because they usually do that to compensate uh when they don't have a good good concept and i was already nervous and then i watched it and i was like oh yeah it's the script changes that felt like they sanded off all of the edges which were the point the point was that it was kind of edgy yeah, and, but uh, that's what I wanted them to do. Like, because they need, in my opinion, they need a property like that. It, like, if they just, it's my, it's the age old thing that I always say with a lot of these types of properties. Why didn't they just make this a, a mini series? Why didn't they just oh, do that? I mean, I feel like that solves a lot of problems for for a specific type of adaptation. But Artemis yeah. Fowl is like it's not super long and it's not super complex. I feel like you could have. I don't think that the the format was the flaw necessarily. I feel like it was just them yeah. choosing to to totally shift the premise in a, a a futile attempt to expand the the marketability when in fact all they did was alienate the people who were interested in it and yeah. not attract people who who wouldn't be interested in the yeah. thing that they were making. Bad value proposition uh creatively to me. Mhm. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's when I'm kind of like circling back a little bit. That's what when they say, like. When I say unique, Mm. I'm talking concepts like that, that. You know, are like, okay, this is intriguing. Like I said, this is kind of more of a personal thing, because this is to me, I like concepts like that that are. Of course, yes, sure. They may be childish. Uh, I, I, I don't care. I, I like, um, you know, seeing stuff like that for maybe middle aged, like, uh, like middle age kids or like a little, you know, young adults. I like seeing stuff like that. I've, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to make stuff for that age range. Um, a lot of, you know, adult works that I've read. There, there's you know, a couple of series that are really good, but they have the same thing that I'm looking for, which is like very high concept stuff yeah. that isn't, that doesn't, that takes itself seriously, but doesn't wade into the area of ultra cynicism. Um, yeah. And it seems like a lot of adult stuff, especially in sci-fi, it's just, it's either really stupid, like really, I mean, really silly or really existential. And I'm like, I get it. I, I, I like both, but I do mm. not like to consume both readily as my daily diet. Sure. <laughs> that's sure. just not me. I understand people like that, but that's just not me. So when I say unique, I mean, okay, what 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 do you have to offer me? <laughs> mm-hmm. And usually I I, I usually read the room pretty I, I like to think that I read the room pretty well when I'm like, okay, I have like my, you know, like my finger on this, uh, the pulse of this concept. Is this really appropriate or is this going to be like, eh? because I, I had the same feeling about like something like Pirates of the Caribbean when that came out the first one sure. and Disney, I was like, wow, Disney, you know, you're probably going to have to kill people in this movie, right? <laughs> Are you guys going to be, okay, all right, all right. And then I watched it and I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm digging it. 
because I mean, <laughs> let's. It sounds like I'm like, oh, if it's a new concept, I'm going to love it. Yes and no, because I felt, yes, the same way about vampires when that was started out. But then it got real old real quick. What, like same the, thing. Just I, the, the concept yeah. of a vampire? No, well, no, not the con. I mean, I'm not that old because <laughs> I remember when they when they mm. made that up. No, I mean how they reemerged in media because somebody right, just right, did right. it well. Yeah, and did it in like maybe a new, fresh way. Um, like, and it just blew up, and it's like, oh, that's it's same way. Chris, speaking of Christopher Nolan, just how he re did kind of their invigoration for superhero movies when he did Batman. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, this is so good. Well, technically he made a good movie that just happened to be Batman. And then, cause that's how I feel. Cause I felt the same way about that. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Um, but then everybody tried to do like the deep, dark tone of sure, superhero sure, movies sure. and stuff. And I was like, all right, all right. Okay. All right. I mean, trend chasing is definitely part of the conversation where it's just like, you know, yeah. oh, The Matrix comes out and it's just like, wow, no one's ever seen a movie that looks like this because they didn't watch Blade. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> got him. Uh, Bang. <laughs> and then it's just like, guess what? Underworld. And a guess what? You know, the ultra Resident Evil. The, the fucking Resident Evil movies. And it's yeah. just like, like, I certainly understand. I'm sympathetic to like fatigue at trend chasing where it's just like mm -hmm. something popular comes out and then here's a bunch of also rans. Yeah. And I think it's unavoidable. Unfortunately, yeah. it's it's going to happen even if, by the best of standards of like uh, directors and just creatives in general. Look at horror. Everybody wants to do a horror uh, like a, not even a big budget, but everybody wants to be like Barbarian. Everybody wants to have that. I, I that. haven't seen Barbarian yet. Barbarian's pretty good. I actually I was like, all right. Um, um, I also heard that Talk to Me is actually very good. Um, yeah, I've heard some good buzz. So I'm like, ooh. And it, it, once I, I heard how people describe it, and I'm like, oh, this might be something that I'm interested in. <laughs> Type thing. So, yeah, the people are kind of pushing it that way now. So people are getting a lot more weirder. I, I, um, I don't know what what pushing it that way means in this context. Pushing it, pushing it that way is I, I mean, just getting weird with it. Then, oh, sure. uh, uh, that's that's basically what I mean. I think horror has an advantage um, horror because is great at being weird. And yeah. I, I don't know if if because I haven't seen the film, I don't know if Barbarian is an inflection point of some kind. But like there have been a few like weird, trippy, dreamy horror movies recently that I uh, I'm, pr I'm pretty into just broadly, you know, off the mm -hmm. top of my head. I'm talking about like Annihilation, Mandy, uh, the color out oh, of space. Would you I, I always considered Annihilation as like hard sci fi. Oh, it's absolutely cosmic horror. Like it's bright, I mean, that, colorful, like, that, that, kaleidoscopic, yeah. uh, cosmic horror. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you put it that way, yeah, cosmic horror. Yeah, it mm -hmm. is cosmic horror. Yeah. But I always saw that as like a when I watched it, 
I kind of watched it as a sci-fi movie yeah. with horror, horror elements in it and not a horror movie with sci-fi elements in it. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of splitting hairs, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I would it's exactly what I was saying. It doesn't necessarily matter. It's just <laughs> I would absolutely put in the same conversation as Alien. Yeah, and that's a good point. But I yeah, I wasn't saying, oh, you're wrong for this. <laughs> I'm just saying y- you're right. Because <laughs> that's kind of yeah. how I, I just felt a different way about it. What when you're I, saying, it, how I experienced it, but I got the same thing out of it. So. What you're saying is, you're right. Dot dot dot. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, that's. I'm glad we I'm glad we agree on Annihilation. I thought I think that was a good movie. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. I think that's it was a weird. great movie. It was super weird, but I was like, Ugh. in some of the cases, I was like, Ugh. I think that's a great movie that I tried to watch with my wife and it uh, did, did not go over well. <laughs> she didn't like it or she was like, Ugh. Uh, yeah, it got too it got too gross. And to be fair, I had forgotten how gross the uh, 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 stomach snakes are. Oh, I, hey, man, that's gross. <laughs> it's extremely gross. <laughs> that movie gets really gross. But yeah. if you, I, if I'm like, trying to talk in vague terms for if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, it yeah. genuinely is a, a great recommendation. It's got like two sequences that I think are truly terrifying. Uh, and then the rest of it is yeah. I was one of them is uh, what I think it uh, is. And, and then the the whole thing is just like surreal and trippy, and it operates on this emotional logic that I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a cool movie. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. It's a that is a very unique movie to me because they did sci-fi, interesting, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily world-breaking. But it's definitely a high concept thing. And also, I like the fact that it is a mostly female cast. That is a mostly female cast in a sci-fi movie to that caliber. And I was like, geez, man. And it's a banger (laughs) cast. Like, great cast. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Tiny Natalie Portman is the leader of this. (laughs) She's the leader of of the bunch. You know, yeah, I, I well. know. I was trying not to do that. <laughs> I don't know why uh, that felt like that was where you were going with it, but I'm glad I'm correct. <laughs> I was trying not to do that. Thank you Stupid. for stepping down that path. And now we can't stop because as we look down, and now it's it, it's an escalator. It, it, we it, can't stop. <laughs> we ran off the cliff and then you stopped in midair, hoping that I wouldn't look down and notice that we had already run off no this is some looney tune shit i stopped Mm -hmm. in midair looked down and i was like wait a minute back up and i and i did the and i went right back on (laughs) to the cliff meanwhile (laughs) (laughs) well there goes adam (laughs) yeah well before i chased after you you handed me a sign that just said yipes so (laughs) uh i feel like you have some culpability in this anyways yeah. uh <laughs> i wanted to to move on to like my next um kind of example piece of media uh and see how you land on this and honestly i don't know if this is a bad choice because i don't know if you've seen the movie um the next movie that i was going to bring up was uh martin scorsese's shutter island Ooh, have you seen that 
Yes, I saw that in theaters, actually. All right. So, unfortunately, I don't think I can talk about this movie without spoilers. So, this is a spoiler warning for Martin Scorsese's uh, Shutter Island. Scorsese's. Scorsese's. Um, scars, scars, scars. Mark, scars, scars. Um, <laughs> I was doing the uh, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> hey, Gadget, it's a clip on. Yo, you seen that new Marty Scorsese's movies? <laughs> Is she not Marty Scorsese's? <laughs> um, so, if you haven't seen it, uh, I'm going to spoil it. However, Part of my argument is that I don't think spoiling the movie makes that much of a difference. Oh, <laughs> so that is one movie that you need to experience because then then you kind of get the whole. Oh, it's a movie what? about a twist, <laughs> but the twist almost doesn't matter. Yeah, because um, you so, see the twist coming a mile away. But at the same time, you're like, wait. What does that mean then? <laughs> so, so this this is your uh, final off ramp, uh, uh, or you can fast forward. Whatever, you're an adult, you can figure this out. Or you're so, a child and you can figure it out. Or you're a child, in which case, <laughs> don't listen to this. Or you're a baby. <laughs> if you're a baby and you're listening to this, thank Please you like so and much. Subscribe Patreon.com/slash. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Adam <laughs> slash Adam. <laughs> That's what it is. Send um, all of your money to me. <laughs> give money to uh, just Corey because he's a sweetie and he deserves to get a oh. new PlayStation game. Um, oh, when you say sweetie, it, it makes me bubble up. Good. So Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island is a movie where uh, there's a plot twist but it kind of doesn't matter because it's really obvious. And the difference between me and other film critics is that there are some people who are really sensitive to that, and they absolutely fucking hate being able to predict their media. <laughs> uh, and if they're able to guess a twist, then it's dumb and bullshit. Um, and I am not like that, where mm -hmm. I am able to look at it and it's just like I I'm able to watch media and kind of turn off the part of my brain that's trying to win. That's trying to get one up over the, the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be trying to outsmart the filmmakers. But also, if I'm able to successfully guess a twist or something, it's not that different than the experience of me rewatching a movie where I know the twist. Yeah. You know, so it's just kind of not that big of a deal for me. Um, but uh, Shutter Island is a movie where Leonardo DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo go to an insane asylum. And uh, uh, the, the twist is that Leonardo DiCaprio, who is the main character, uh, is crazy and has been a patient at the asylum the whole time. Uh, and it's just like... Fucking stop me if you've heard this one before. You know, this mm -hmm. is as cliche as that kind of thing gets. But the thing that makes it worth watching to me is the execution. I think it's a really well articulated version of this kind of twist. And even if you know what's going on or strongly suspect what's going on, the way that it plays out is still cool and compelling to me. They do mm -hmm. a lot of tricks to sell it. There's a lot of intentional um, discontinuity between shots. Like the most mm -hmm. famous example of it is that he is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, who is posing as like an investigator of some kind, uh, is interrogating a um, an inmate. 
mm-hmm. asking her questions. And she's like, can I have a glass of water? And then someone places an empty glass of water in front of her. And then the camera cuts in and it shows her drinking out of the water. And it's a full glass of water. And then she puts the cup down and it's, you know, yeah, uh, half full or, or something. The The point is that if you're paying attention, you'll notice these like slight inconsistencies uh, between the shots. And those oh, are yeah. intentional and meant to to make you feel a little bit off kilter. And I mm-hmm. think that's cool and admirable. Like, I like that. Uh, but it's all that's all execution. That's all in the technical details and the craft that's going into making it. There's not an original bone in this movie's body. It's just kind of a well-made version of something that you've seen before. Is this the um, like uh, a matter of like, OK, you've seen this before. Mm-hmm. And it's unique, but how is it it's maybe not as unique, but the execution is high. Yeah, I mean, that's the thrust of my argument where it's okay. just like, do you uh, when you're talking about uniqueness, are you talking about it purely in terms of concept or like, can you find execution to be unique? Because I feel like the deliberate yes. use of uh, the editing in order to create a sense of unease is something that I haven't seen a ton of and does make it stand out as like something cool and interesting to me. Okay. I, I might, this might be controversial to say, mm-hmm. uh, coming from me, but, uh, my idea flip flops a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. This is a hot tone, a half tone take for me. My, uh, my preference tends to not flip-flop hard, but I tend to go over the line one way or the other, depending on how I feel. Um, usually, because I can also find that uh, execution, very good execution, can also be unique mm. um, in a way. In a way. But it definitely is more of a preference. Uh See, like uh, the the movie that we always come back to and never talk about in any great depth uh, that we can't shut up about, Speed Racer, uh, like yeah, is, yeah, yeah, it's based on a property, so there's like no real surprises in that. Um, but like specifically the editing stuff that they do, I've never seen another movie do that kind of stuff. Like the mm-hmm. the way that scenes just melt into each other, like the weird wipes and the the way yeah. that they're able to use like all that montage stuff. I find that so cool and compelling. Uh, also, the kinetic energy in that movie is like ridiculous oh, yeah. for me anyway. It, I I have really never seen anything like that in a sci-fi-esque like live action thing because it's very sci-fi, but it's also, Mm. it's just about racing. And I think it's the best, you know, because like you compare that to something like death race, (laughs) whoever remembers Mm. death race, huh? I don't. uh, Yeah. But I mean, you, it's literally like twisted metal, but, uh, shout out to twisted metal. Uh, but, (laughs) You know, compare that to something like Twisted Metal. Or, I mean, not Twisted Metal, Death Race. Damn it. <laughs> uh, compare that to that. And I would much rather take Speed Racer mm. because 
I think Speed Racer is way more interesting in like car warfare, which has been done plenty of times before. Right, right. Just Death Race just went all out with it with like the the gore and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But I like it when like some sometimes I like maybe I'm thinking maybe this is a good way to think about this. This is a good way to think about this and how my brain works is when I see concepts, any type of thing in games, media, all that kind of stuff. I want to say I'm thinking in my head, okay, maybe the people in this that made this had one person say, okay, make this entire thing, except you got one rule. You're not allowed to do this. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Limitation, breeding creativity. Yeah, and I and I and I like when people kind of feel like they do that because I feel like in you know Speed Racer nobody technically dies. Right. You could say Racer X. I don't want to hear it. Racer X did not <laughs> die. That's not that's the point. But there's so many like crashes, like death-defying stunts, and right, people right, right. shooting lasers at each other and stuff. I'm like, Jesus is crazy, but it's. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's colorful. And they make it serious without it being super serious because it's technically a sport. It's like oh, nobody's yeah. supposed to die in this. People are supposed to just compete. Yeah. The the uh, safety bubbles that happen when someone gets into a crash are not only a great way to manage the tone so you're not watching a crisis uh, a, a race and having people you know explode and just being like jesus, <laughs> jesus christ how horrifying like you're not doing that they have close-ups of some of that stuff too wouldn't it be like Ugh. oh yeah uh but but now it's able to turn into like yet another part of like the fun fantasy kind of consequence free aspect of it yeah. while still making it like Winning the race is still really important. It's and, just and that intense. our life, lives aren't on the line. Like the stakes yeah. are still high, just it's not life and death stakes. And I and that's one of the things that I really like. Um, you you actually explained it. That's one of the real the things I really like about what that movie and several others pull off. Some of my other of my favorite like films pull off is mm. really high stakes, but one of them is not death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that because everybody like, yeah, sure. This is a really high stake. If we don't do this, we're all going to die. Even if it, mm-hmm. even if it's not mm-hmm. world ending, like all sure. the, everybody like this small group just needs to accomplish a task. And if we don't, we'll just die because we fail. I'm like, <laughs> fine. Yeah. Cool. But I don't want to see that all the time. Show me something new, especially if you you guys are touting as like, no, this is good. However, what you were saying, going back to kind of what you were saying of execution, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. man, like, I would really have to, and this and this comes and this would come to just thinking about it. This would come down to. I hate to keep saying this word, but like personal preference of the individual who's watching Mm -hmm. it is what do you value? How much do you value uh, like the execution? 
Yeah. Because I know for me, execute high execution is good, but high execution in what sense? Because yes, they would have made a very good film, a very competent, technically well-made film. Do I want to watch this again? No, because it's not sure. interesting to me. And I and the opposite is true. This is why I love uh, Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> Many people saw that and they were like, it's well made, but I don't like it. And I'm like, this is why I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's. Oh, man, it's, it's hard to like, I guess, quantify and say, OK, this is this has to be this is how I feel about this all the time. Because that's not actually the case. It definitely de- depends, especially I would go to games, too. Um, oh, sure. Because you've recommended some games to me. Um, not and not, you know, this has happened more often than not that you've recommended some things to me. And I'm like generally interested. Yeah. It's not just, you know, uh, like just stuff that you played. It's stuff that is like, you might like this, dude. And I'm like, okay, it actually does look cool. You do know me. So I play (laughs) it and I'm like, sometimes I bounce off of it and sometimes I don't. And I honestly don't know why. It could be very small things that I just didn't vibe with. Or it could be the entire playing experience that I'm just like, "Eh, I just felt like this was more of a slog. I get it. I get that it's very moving and stuff like that. Um like this game might be very moving to play through. And, you know, um, a lot of RPGs do that where you get to pick your pick your own, like, you know, um, dialogue options and stuff like that. And you got to mm-hmm. get to formulate the story yourself. And, you know, uh, but, you know, sometimes I'm ch- I don't want to say like sometimes I'm just not looking for that, but sometimes I'm just not looking oh. for that. <laughs> Bro, like <laughs> there, there have been times where it's just like, hey, I there's like this narrative heavy game that I've heard really great things about that I do want to play that is interesting to me that like does take a lot of my boxes and I am instead going to play Vampire Survivors. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I just got to move my little guy around and, and uh, you know, pop uh, pop bubble wrap. Yeah. Listen listen to some jams and uh Yeah. I think that's the music. Kill kill one hundred and twenty thousand Gorgons. Like that's what I need. And get money. Get fucking money. Open up a treasure chest. You think it's a treasure chest, but no, it's a five times treasure chest. And it's just like I'm about to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> it's like, oh, the bit rate. The bit rate has gone crazy because <laughs> I'm getting so much money and Some- shooting so much stuff. <laughs> Sometimes I'm playing a game and I want to be like, damn, yeah, that's for real. And sometimes I want to play a game and I just got like high squinting eyes and I'm just like, yeah, man. <laughs> Sometimes I want to play a game that is Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> And I just want to dink around <laughs> because it's dinking around day. <laughs> I got Grand Theft Auto uh, San Andreas on my phone. Congratulations. Circa, <laughs> circa 2011 or something. So this was like, you know, like, whoa, phones can do this. You could play a whole real game on it. And I was like, God, imagine like you can play a full game on it. 
all I ever did was jump in a car and drive around at full acceleration, <laughs> like while waiting for a sandwich to be ready. Uh, I would refer to that game as simply shit, shit. I'm going too fast. <laughs> um, uh, and and that I, you was know what I, all I needed it to be. And you know what? <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, welcome to Grand Theft Auto series. Mm-hmm. What took you so long? Because everybody does this. I know. Even like huge fans of the series. We all just dink. It's, it's a game that dink around. They give you so many, you yeah. know, things to do that just. Yeah. Do I want to go up to somebody, point at them? They get mad at me and I try to goat them into punching me. So I give them the reason for me to punch them and Mm. take their money. Free money. (laughs) I'm going to go steal a fire truck now. Think about it. Back off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like now we're talking about like, you know, demanding media versus low engagement media. And sometimes I just want to turn my brain off and just, yeah, uh, again, like pop some bubble wrap. Like sometimes that's that's just good. Yeah, I'll just play the Binding of Isaac again. I've played (laughs) 1400 hours of that bitch. Jeez. Just 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 put on a run and just, you know, turn your brain off and be like, ooh, brimstone. Yeah. Speaking of which, this is a really small aside, but you know what the best Well, for me anyway, you know what the best like game like that is? Um, Tetris, Tetris Connect, mm. or Tetris Effect. Yeah, you ever played that? Yeah, I've got it on like three different systems. I have it on PC. I've got it on VR, and I think I have oh, wow. at least a demo on Switch. And the thing that yeah, that's I what I played on on keep Switch. Coming back to is that like I love this game. It looks so good. It sounds so good. It's so kinetic. Uh, and I'm just so dog shit at Tetris. I'm just so <laughs> very, very bad at Tetris. Really? On, Mr. E- <laughs> on easy beginner mode, I can get like to world three. Oh, bro. I Come suck on, at Tetris man. so bad. <laughs> Come on, man. Mr. Mr. Mm. What? You, you, you don't play on like you don't play every Resident Evil game on like super hard mode and try to find everything. <laughs> Well, you know, Resident that's Evil a, Four. That's fun to do on your fourth replay. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's oh, a different man. it's a different set of calculations. Like Tetris is designed to make me panic, and panic I do. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? It's very At the same time, I can. Yeah, because it is absolutely nothing to me. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's because I just grew up playing puzzle games all the time, like that, like Super Mario, like Cookie, or whatever <laughs> it is. Yoshi's Cookie or Dr. Mario. I played that stuff the all the time on my game. What is Yoshi's Cookie? That is not real. Is it Yoshi's Cookie? I don't fucking... You tell me, bro. Look it up, man. Like, Yoshi's mm, Cookie. Don't, Yoshi's don't Cookie. Put a, don't put a marker down. Look that up right now on on the mic. Yoshi's sure Cookie called... is a 1992 tile mapping yes, puzzle I game. I told you. I Fuck told off. you. I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm a genius. I knew what I was talking about. I knew I didn't imagine that. <laughs> Absolutely the most made up fake sounding thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm going to play some Yoshi's Cookie. All right, bro. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I knew it. I absolutely uh-huh. knew it. 
Yeah. Anyway. Why, why, why don't you talk to Dr. Robotnik about his mean bean machine? Oh, man, I love that game, too. Fucking clown uh, shit. <laughs> I you ever played Sonic say, Pinball? I, oh, man. I will say that Sonic Mania has a boss fight where you're in chemical plant zone, and then you end up as the boss fight. You, you play a round of Dr. Robotnik's mean bean machine, and that is incredibly oh, fucking yeah, cool. Yeah. That rules. So, oh, I remember that. But yeah, also, Sonic Mania. Yeah. That is a that is a game that is full of cool ideas. Oh yeah. Sonic Mania, they did oh, man, I can't say I can't say enough good things about Sonic Mania. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go on a rant though. Because I was gonna say that uh, that also contributes like like Tetris and all that for me. Also, you know, the fact that I used to play pinball games all the time mm-hmm. also contributes to that. Oh yeah. So Maybe that's a reason why, because like me and my dad and like my brother, like, you know, we we would go to like arcades and stuff. And my dad would literally spend all of the time when we were running around Chuck E. Cheese or something. He would just go straight to like the pinball machine. I don't know if they had pinball machines in Chuck E. Cheese. I'm talking about other things. Um but he would just go straight to the pinball machine and just spend the entire time there. And then obviously me being a curious like little kid being like, hey, dad, what you doing? And then I was he's like, oh, you want to play this? And I'm like, yeah. And I would I then I just became an old man instantaneously <laughs> and just spent so much time in the pinball machines. <laughs> like you only you didn't you didn't do too bad like you aged for sure but it's not like he was like come on son we're gonna play bass fishing pro four (laughs) (laughs) did your dad do that no (laughs) my dad hates all video games and he likes to anytime he sees me playing something i'll be like playing fucking Final Fantasy 7 when I'm a kid and he comes up mm. he's just like did you get to level 57 planet Mordor yet? <laughs> Your dad was that <laughs> was the meme. Are oh, you winning absolutely. son? <laughs> and also just like that really excellent at deliberately getting things wrong in order to provoke a reaction. So for example, uh he always refers to the shredder from Ninja Turtles as mm-hmm. blender. <laughs> Which is very funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just remember, uh, to me, your dad was always funny to me because you just yeah. told me about the one time when you guys were playing cards. He's like, give me, like, what did you say? Give me the more ducats. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> your dad says that? Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> he loves to, to collect weird slang and then uh, use it. In incorrect ways. Uh, Recently, apparently, instead of being like, yo, that slaps, he'll be like, yo, that slams. (laughs) (laughs) Which also is really cool, though. (laughs) Which is very funny. I would say that, too. (laughs) That slams, man. We need to bring that. We need to make that a thing. Me and you make slams a thing. Stop trying to (laughs) stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I didn't say fetch. I said slams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I said slams. Well, slams is good. Slams is streets ahead, as we all know. Anyway, back to execution (laughs) of uh, film. Right. So so Yoshi's Cookie is a real game. (laughs) Yoshi's Cookie is a real game. By all accounts. Um, So uh, another thing, I'm going to actually pivot the question that I was asking. I think I've got maybe a better articulation. Okay. In front of you are two games. Mm -hmm. One is Celeste, 
and one is Mario Odyssey. Celeste is a video game that has new ideas throughout. It's constantly introducing new stuff, but mm-hmm. what it's asking of you is for you to perform at a high level. It's asking mm-hmm. you for mastery. Mario Odyssey, on the other hand, is a game where it's not super challenging. Instead, what it has is it has a ton of novelty and variety. You're always going to someplace new. You're always doing something new. You're always finding some joke or some visual gag or some weird new toy to play with. Um, Mm -hmm. Of those two, which speaks to you more? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Because I'm just thinking about it. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to be I don't want to be uh, disingenuous or just something like that, where it's just like. I don't like either of them, but OK, <laughs> no, that's not that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. If I had to pick them right one right. or the other. Um. Huh. Man, I kind, of, I kind of assumed that you would like one or the other. You're not a not a Mario guy. I, I, I had my fill of Mario. That's that's okay. how I'm going to say okay. it. That's fair enough. That's fair. enough. Um, I could pick it up if there's like nothing else to play, but I won't uh, seek it out mm-hmm. um, if that makes any sense. I, I don't by any means. I don't hate Mario games. They are yeah. actually pretty innovative and just hilariously fun because of course i mean it's just mario jumping around doing things turning into a dinosaur cool Uh um but celeste is impressive (laughs) Mm, mm. but it's not a game i would seek out because of it i I, like i've tried to play celeste and i suck yeah uh i suck at those types of games uh which is why i didn't necessarily bounce off of um off of uh, Hollow Knight. I didn't mm-hmm. bounce off of that game. But that game becomes real hard real quick. When I just kind of wanted to just go and whack stuff and find and just immerse myself in the world and like the, the concept art and like the characters and stuff yeah. like that. It's a demanding game. Yeah, that game gets like real hard real quick. And I was like, oh, man. I mean, I don't know how you guys far you got to into do this? it, but like it gets impossible the the difficulty ramp goes from like difficult to absolute cartoon bullshit yeah and oh i've seen i i haven't gotten very far like Mm. maybe i got like maybe an hour and a half or two hours in yeah and then i was like i started to kind of not necessarily get confused but kind of be like oh and then it just got kind of grating and i'm like i don't feel like playing this game enough time like with the like putting hours and hours into this game so i could just get good to play the game (laughs) to experience the game i I think what you're talking about is uh kind of you know touching on what we mentioned earlier was like the difference between um demanding media and low engagement media where you might have been coming to it being like ah i'm gonna get something that's you know maybe not casual but like a little bit more relaxed and instead it's like no this is dark souls like you need to be paying attention all the time yeah yeah yes but at the same time um to add to that what i'm kind of talking about now is i don't i didn't feel the same way about elden ring Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. 
And Elden Ring is kind of hard, like super hard too. It can get really totally. ridiculous. But at the same time, I didn't feel that way about Elden Ring. So I'm trying to think, why did I feel... Because as great as Elden Ring was to play, mm-hmm. I feel that the uh, that I am I would be more attracted to a game like, um, um, you know, Hollow Knight. Yeah, personally. But the if the difficulty of both is pretty high, why did I bounce off a of Hollow Knight and I didn't feel like I wanted to do that? But I was fine with doing that with Elden Ring. Uh, I mean, the disappointing answer is that, you know, it's difficult to predict what makes us bounce off stuff. But like I bounced off Hollow Knight the first time I played it as well. I also got probably 90 minutes, two hours in and then I just stopped playing for six months. And then mm-hmm. I looked at it again. And I was like, oh, I don't know. This kind of feels good again. Maybe I'll try it again. Uh, and then it, you know, became the, Something the new clicked. gold standard. Yeah, because I I will fully admit, and this is how I feel, a better way of, I mean, a better example, mm. not a better example, but a an example for me that Hollow Knight, I thought Hollow Knight was going to be, yeah. was Shovel Knight. Shovel sure. Knight is awesome to me. Shovel Knight is awesome. And the, and I love the design. Um, I'm a bit like, I, I think this is the part of like what, we were talking about what the entire episode of uniqueness shovel Knight is super unique to me. It's super, it's like one of the gold standards of how do we just build on a concept, Mm -hmm. but it's silly enough, but it still has that challenge of old school games like ghosts and goblins. Cause that's what I kind of felt like when I was playing the game. It's like, this is kind of ghosts and goblins, except not as hard, not as punishing. Well, it's, I, It's interesting that you bring that up as like an example of uniqueness because it is so derivative. Like it has, you know, it's basically Mega Man in its movement. It's got the DuckTales Mm -hmm. uh, pogo. Uh, And then, uh, I mean, I already said Mega Man, but I mean, you know, all we basically are dealing with a roster of robot masters and then you get the different abilities and stuff like it's, it's very familiar uh, to those old NES game rhythms, but like, I mean, I would agree that it feels like it has a, a really strong identity at the very least. Yes, that's a good that's a good way of putting it. It has a very strong identity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, and I'm guessing maybe it's just my brain of saying, seeing, oh man, Hollow Knight, oh man, um, like some of these other games that like were more indie or something like that. Yeah. Oh, they almost kind of be kind of like hollow knight or play kind of like hollow knight with like just variations of stuff i need to check out all of them and i think i think you meant to say shovel knight for those last couple yeah shovel knight i'm sorry um yeah but then it's just like when did games get so hard (laughs) (laughs) to me i was like why is all of this hard um i mean so not to be a parody of every uh you know game critic I don't know. I don't know what we are. Uh, yeah. But Hollow Knight is definitely, it is Dark Souls. I'm evoking that for a reason. It is specifically yeah. Dark Souls 1. Uh, it is the only game that I think has captured that specific feeling mm-hmm. in a way that even like other From Software games don't. Um, so 
cal- calibrate those expectations if you go back into it. Like this is two D yeah, Dark Souls I'll, one specifically. I'll probably go back in uh, into it because, like I said, the good thing about that game. And the good thing about a lot of these types of games and movies and film and whatever is I tend to give like maybe it's just me, but I tend to give things a lot a little bit more of a chance, a second chance if the concept or the uniqueness catches me, it has a hook in me enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hollow Knight looks really good. It looks it, great. It is like the I, I, I look at a lot of the concept art and stuff like that and the, you know, just how it's set up. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so intriguing. This is so cool. It's such a cool concept. Bugs. Night mm. bugs. Yes. <laughs> I but I know how hard it is. But at the same time, it was years ago. So maybe I'm like, let me try to give it another chance. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, you know, older and wiser try to get another chance and go into it and adjust my expectations accordingly. Yeah. 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 So, and I, I, I recognize that I am way, I am much better at that now than I used to be because I mm-hmm. used to be like, ah, no, I ain't going to like this. I don't care. People can <laughs> like it if they want, but I don't, and mm-hmm. I don't have to, but then I'm like, you know what? I may not get what, other people are getting out of it but i might get something different that is also still a positive yeah so because that's something i had to learn is i can get stuff out of it it may not be the same but it still can be positive it's not it's never Mm. like a either or you either like it or you don't if anybody says that shut up i can get like you can get you can like games for different reasons. You can like stuff for different reasons. And it's completely valid. And totally. I had to internalize that. So I'm like, okay, I may not be hugely into the story or something like that with certain stuff. But I do like this enough where I'm like, okay, this this is a good movie. This is I feel mm. this is good. Right. Even if it's not for you specifically. Yes. Um, yeah, totally. Here's another minor uh, digression. If you are a big fan of Shovel Knight, which you are, which I am, uh, <laughs> and you want a game that like has some Shovel Knight energy to it, uh, check out Infernax if you haven't. Infernax? Infernax. I have Infernax. never heard of this. It is So in the way that Shovel Knight is like riffing on DuckTales and Mega Man and those style of games, uh, Infernax is riffing on Zelda 2 and Castlevania. Really? Ooh, I like yeah. stuff that does Castlevania. <laughs> it's like it's really fun. It's uh you're fighting a bunch of fucked up demons and stuff. It's hyper bloody in a way that like <laughs> uh it, it, it like loops around to being like funny because it's, you know, chunky NES pixels. Um Yeah. But like it's it's tons of fun. Uh, it's a real snack, and it's very highly replayable. Oh, uh, okay. So, I do like highly replayable thingies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and Infernax. Also, and also, uh, enter the contra code for funsies. Sorry, I had to write that down because I'm like, I'll forget that. But I wrote it down. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Um, but yeah, um. I mean, really, a quick aside. Uh, you, because you rent, you um, recommended uh, another game to me uh, recently 
that kind of had the same it, it's super recent that I kind of had the same feeling to it. Um, it was the uh, what is it? The cassette beast. Um, oh, uh, that game. Sure. Cassette beast bought- is like, yeah, uh, yeah uh, a very strong uh, riffing on Pokemon specifically. Yeah. And I bought that and I started playing it and I was like, ooh, ooh, this is neat. It's really good. This is pretty, this is pretty unique without it being stupidly punishing because of course, but I was like, okay, this isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be because everybody's saying, oh, Oh, the mechanics are are crazy. I'm like, the mechanics are different, but once you get it, you're like, oh. I see how this goes type thing. It's more rigorous than Pokemon, but let's be real. It's difficult to be less rigorous than Pokemon. Yeah. You know, I mean, the only those are easy games. Yeah, I'm um, I I used to play a game called Temtem and that was also a riff on Pokemon. But uh, the game is also like kind of hugely punishing. (laughs) So sure. It's super, they crank up the difficulty, but it's the same basic concept. Um, but this one, it, it it does kind of a, an okey-doke, almost. What because the it's not fuck the same is an type okey-doke? No, 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 I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm explaining. It's like, it's, um, they kind of subvert expectations in where it's not just uh-huh. a handshake. It's not just a, you know, Rochambeau thing. It's more of a, okay, I actually have to think about this a little bit because there are so many like um, combinations that you can do and stuff like that. So Uh, cassette beasts is uh, Pokemon. But what if instead of just like basic elemental weaknesses, there was a complex matrix of ways that the different elements could intersect both positively and negatively to create all kinds of weird status effects and different Mm -hmm. uh uh surprising results yeah which is very which is pretty which is i found pretty compelling so i was like okay this is a this is a good purchase i i made a good i made a good purchase with this and it has a traffic cone that is a hermit crab so it's a good video game (laughs) it's a good game it's a good game (laughs) automatically Anything with hermit crabs is great. If a hermit yeah. crab lives in a traffic cone, uh, yeah, you're pretty, you're you're on the right track in my book. Speaking of which, how <laughs> could we? <laughs> okay, I can't wait. Speaking of no, which, no, you'll think this is kind of cool uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. because I've had this thing, I've had this concept in my mind uh, of a video game concept because I was like, I, I'm not a, a game maker. But if I could get with somebody who is a coder and all this kind of stuff, and I could just be like the guy who draws a lot of the concept art and the, you know, the idea, uh-huh. that'd be great. Um, there is a type of shrimp. Uh-huh. Oh, I, f- I forget what the name is, but it apparently punches so oh, sure. fast. Uh, pistol you know, shrimp. You d- yeah. And I was like, what if I created a video game? Mm-hmm. Where it's like kind of almost a not it's not a beat em up, but it's like a platformer slash beat em up almost. Yeah. Of like a tiny little guy, you you like a tiny character who's just a, a shrimp like that. And he has boxing gloves on and, you can, <laughs> and he has like su- different superpowers because like 
you know, he could punch really quick and like he could punch so fast that he could shoot a fireball or he could yep. punch like so fast that he does multiple punches and you get those are the power ups and stuff. And it's just like a platformer on like the bottom of the sea that's very cartoony, but, you know, still kind of stylish. And you have like these different enemies that are just fish. Uh, uh-huh. look, the different worlds is basically the different levels of, um, you know, the oceans and stuff like that. So the, like the last level, like the ultra mega boss level would be like the, the ocean floor and it'd be completely dark and there'd be all yeah. kinds of crazy final like, level whale fall. I'm, I, you joke, but this is Who's so cool. Fucking joking. <laughs> Folks, I just want to say that this is literally exactly you are listening right now to the real time uh, creative process that will produce a Heyman. There will be a Heyman at the end of this. (laughs) This is already a Heyman. How does does the pistol shrimp get his mail? Uh, (laughs) My mind is already working right now as we speak. My mind is already working. Uh, but I just, I was, I was like, oh, that would be a cool idea. <laughs> a pistol shrimp would be a great, uh, idea for a, uh, a video game character. I once ran a tabletop game called Big Motherfucking Crab Truckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real game. <laughs> and in that game, uh, one of my players decided to be a, uh, pistol shrimp. And would load nice. stuff into her claws and then shoot them at high velocities. Yeah, that's they, awesome. And then they fought like, you know, uh, here's a Mad Max d- bus full of, you know, murder shrimp. And they're coming at you. They got chainsaws. And uh, it's going to be a whole thing. It's great. Uh, it was a great little one shot. My friends got too drunk during it. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. That's what I'm talking about. It was a good time. But, uh. Yeah, to me, man, that would be a really cool game. Mm -hmm. Like, if any of y'all who are listening to us are into game design and don't think I'm a complete idiot, please (laughs) uh, email us at uh, email me specifically at (laughs) halftoe. If anyone wants to do all the work while we just sit back and go, "Mm, I think they should punch hard, (laughs) then... (laughs) Boy, do we have a, a a working situation for you. And yes, I know what you're thinking. We do pay an exposure. <laughs> I don't have anything to say to that. I was going to say something else, but I was like, no, that's pretty good. That's that feels, pretty fine. That feels like a pretty good place to start buttoning it up. Uh, I feel like I got to ask you a lot of good questions. We got some insights about like what you your perspective on it uh to me it seems like it's it's a little loosey-goosey because it's not a concrete thing but you're looking for you know high concept stuff you're looking for uh things with interesting twists uh on the execution you're looking for things where uh you know they're going to be kind of unpredictable they're going to catch you off guard um, and I think those are all worthwhile qualities to to value. Yeah, I'm also I want to add to that, too, just mm-hmm. to to not completely sound like I'm such a basic, basic bitch type person. Um, I, I also appreciate the, you know, the execution 
um, just as much because of the idea that and if the execution isn't good, but the concept is high, it, you know, it, it, it falls completely flat to me. Um, there, it is a very, very rare occasion um, that I will like something and engage with it if its only quality is it's unique and it's a different type of thing. But um, there is a thing where I will engage with it uh, with a thing if it is executed well. Mm. I may not come back to it, but I will engage with it at that time. If it has both then I will come back to it. So it's kind of like on a scale. If it has only one, if its only quality is uniqueness, probably not going to be, you know, probably going to be fade into obscurity for me, into my mind. If it has execution, which is the next level, but not really unique, I'll probably enjoy myself liking it. I'll be watching it or engaging with it, but then I probably won't ever come back to it. I'll just say, okay, that was a thing. That was fine. But if it has both, which is the high, which is like the high tier, I'm like, yes. And for me, if I keep coming back to a game or a film, that means I really like it. That means it has both for me. Um, With the exception of one thing that I can think of, and we're going to close off with this, with the exception of one thing that I can think of, and it's something we always talk about, stealth. I have no (laughs) idea... Why I like that. I love, I love that stealth is like <laughs> this albatross around your neck. It's just something that is always going to get brought up no matter what. Like we, it's have, a, one. A court, we have a court mandated like stealth quota that we got to put into this fucking podcast. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't know why. I'm just uh-huh. thinking about it right now. It's tier one. And yet I still engage with it on occasion because I was like, man, <laughs> man. it's not even that impressive. It's just, <laughs> it, but I don't know why. I don't know what it is because at the same time, yes, I know it's like silly fun. But at the same time, there are some parts in that movie that are like really like, this is awesome. <laughs> so uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, what does this mean? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Stealth. It is the it is the. It is the, uh, yeah, it's the stone across my neck. <laughs> it's a stone hanging from my neck. It will never leave me. I was, I was going to describe it as a warm, comforting blanket that you just can't get rid of. <laughs> Covered in feces. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. It's a, it's a real pig pen situation. <laughs> oh, don't disrespect pin pig, pig pen like that. Yeah. Well, he would have standards. He it would just look. be. It'd just be dirt. It wouldn't be feces. <laughs> yeah, well, tell it to the flies. True. You got me there. Yeah. <laughs> he must have, like, soiled his pants a little too much. And just nobody notices. Get or everybody your shit notices. together, Pigpen. Everyone notices. <laughs> everybody. And nobody ca- apparently cares because he's still invited everywhere. <laughs> Even more so than Franklin. What does that tell you? Society. <laughs> Uh, boy, it says a lot about us as a society. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this show. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, 
Are we closing out first, or are we doing something, the new thing that you oh, want to tell the people? of course. Thank you for reminding me. So, we have a new initiative here on the show uh, that we're going to try out, where basically, instead of just uh, totally a la carte uh, topic choices where one of us just does an executive decision. I thought you were going to say a la carte. I was a like, where is he going from, with this? Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Um, instead of just uh, one of us making a decision about what the episode topic is, now uh, at the end of each episode, we're going to propose two possible future topics to the person who will be interviewed next time. So Corey... You've got two potential subjects uh, that I get to pick between. Yes, yes, yes. Topic number one, stealth. <laughs> no, don't tempt me. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I think uh, another thing that we wanted to, like, just a really quick uh, to add to what Adam just said about the new initiative is mm-hmm. also we're trying to be a little bit more, I guess, specific with the topics that we pick for each other mm-hmm. um, it's uh, for better engagement, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that it should work because this is obviously it worked t- today and stuff. And I felt that we had a good conversation. So my two topics getting right down to it is the obvious one that probably everybody wants to hear about anyway, because everybody is nerd. nerd. Everybody's a nerd out there. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, I feel that you have a lot of knowledge in that, uh, more so than I do. And not not only knowledge, but experience. And not mm-hmm. only experience, but just, like, personal experience, which yeah. is what I really want to hear about. And also, another one, the second one, is I want to talk, um, I want to ask you a little bit more about... Um, it's a little bit more broad, but it's about video games that moved you. Oh, specifically, yeah. Night in the Woods. Oh, I have so much to talk about. Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods yes. is such a personal game for me. Yes, um, and that and that's why I was like, um, I'm still playing through it. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I know you have a lot to say about that, and I know those are one of the games that moved you. Um, This is why I want to talk about specific games. Movies, they're kind of an easy sell. You can get moved by, you know, by films all the time. Yeah. Games you actually physically have to engage with. (laughs) It's different. It's different with video games. So I want to talk about the games that... Because it invites you to participate in the narrative. It invites you to be uh, an active member of the story. So... uh, yeah. Yeah, and Night in the Woods, and I know Night in the Woods. So far, I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm getting really huge vibes from it, and I guess we'll talk about that if you end up picking it. Uh, but, um, you know, th- that's the thing that I was like, oh, you know what? We'll go there with okay. one of my with one of my uh, questions, I guess. First of all, topics. great topics. I would love to talk about both of them. Um, do you think it's likely? that you would be finished with Night in the Woods by the time the next episode rolls around. I can definitely do that. I have it on Ooh. I have it on both PS5 and my computer. I can get it uh-huh. done. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, like this is difficult for me to choose between. 
Um, I, I'm going to say Night in the Woods, because if you're actively playing through it and you're going to be finished by the time that we uh, record, then that's going to be really fresh. And I think um, I think that's going to be really interesting to talk about. And so okay. um, f- for, for listeners, um, part of what makes this so important to me, something that makes it so resonant to me, is because this is a game that's about the place that we grew up more than any other piece of media I feel like ever will be like, this Mm -hmm. is so incredibly specific to not just rust belt, not just Pennsylvania, uh, but like our part of that state and this time in our lives, like where we grew up, when we grew up, the context around it, it's all incredibly specific. And, um, I I love to talk about it, and I love to talk about just how much it resonated with me specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, once you get to the end of it, I hope it will resonate with you as well, Corey. I hope so, too. It's um, that's a, another unique game mm-hmm. uh, that I thought I would immediately bounce off of. Let's be honest, because uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's it's one of these types of games. Mm-hmm. But I was like. One, the music is very vibe worthy. It's incredible. Um, it's like, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Um, and yes, also considering I still live in Pittsburgh, mm. I'm like, wait, <laughs> oh, like, smelters. Where are these developers from? Yeah, where are you all from? Mm. Because I'm serious. I'm like, I'm serious. I'm like. Hold on a second. I feel like I I feel like these I know these people. And yeah. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll get maybe it'll get worse as I play through the game, but I and by worse I mean why do I have the nagging from like nagging like familiarity? Yeah. Like gnawing at my brain. And maybe that's the point of the whole game. But I'm I'm playing through it. We'll have we'll, you, we'll Have by. you shoplifted pierogies yet? No. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> if you have enjoyed this show, <laughs> uh, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for a topic of an episode, uh, please send us an email at halftonetakes at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed listening, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, or wherever else podcasts are rated. The only way that we grow is by word of mouth, so tell a friend. Uh, I have been Adam Bucheri. I'm an animator and game designer. Uh, you can find my tabletop games at boocherry.itch.io. That is boo like ghost, cherry like fruit. Ooh. 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 Scary. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I am Corey Revis, <laughs> illustrator and comic creator. You can find me on Instagram at E A R T H U R underscore O N E. That's Earther One on Instagram. And also check out my comic, Dawn of Time, on Webtoon. That is Dawn of Time. Now, Corey, I'm being interrupted by breaking news. It seems to me that there are reports that Halftone Takes uh, now has an official Instagram account. Corey, can you confirm or deny? 
Yes. <laughs> yes, there is an Instagram. Um, look up Halftone Takes on Instagram. I'm posting, starting to post that stuff regularly. Um, I'm going to be, once every episode that comes out, I put out a new piece of artwork just to give you an idea of what we're talking about. It's yeah. great. Subscribe to that. Like, I'm going to start posting all kinds of crazy stuff that we talk about because it's cool um, yeah. and engage with it. Like, like it and comment on it and please don't be mean. Don't I'm be sensitive. mean to us. <laughs> I'm sensitive. <laughs> don't be mean to us. If don't be mean like, to me. <laughs> if you like this show, be mean to me, Adam, <laughs> and not Corey. He can take it. I can't. He can't, his hit points are so low. <laughs> yeah, I put all my, I put all my, I put all my points in charisma. What do you want from me? You have to understand, he's a glass cannon build. He can't take a direct hit. <laughs> That's why I'm so fast. I'm so quick with it. He's fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> I was just about to say. That. Right. Okay, we're good. We're good. Oh, we're so we're good. Fine. All right. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out, boo. Uh, uh, yeah, I love you, bro. See ya. See ya.